This week on the Lords of Grantham podcast, we round out our month of Downton Classics with The London Season, the season four Christmas special. Branson's left at the manor all by himself, well, with Miss Bunting around. Uh, Edith is handling the drama of her baby that she just had. Uh, there's a heist afoot that connects Downton Abbey even more so to the crown. And there's a guest star of guest stars, Paul Giamatti. So, let's get into it one more time. Once again, for the last time for a while, we're back with the uh, Downton Abbey review. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, I just kept thinking all week, like, I have to spend 90 minutes watching Downton again. And look, I, I love it. And we'll get into this episode, I love it too. It's just like, when we came back to it, it was like having a meal you haven't had for a while. It's great. And then I just feel like I'm ODing on this stuff, especially since we've committed ourselves to watching the longest episodes for most that of is these true weeks. that is true i would say that if we had some kind of situation where there was a pressing reason for us to watch in sequence i might not feel as uh as drained by it but like watching random episodes in these long ones especially like we're plopped into the middle of these storylines that we don't necessarily know and mm-hmm. it is tolling when you don't get the out. arc the full satisfaction yeah. of it it's mental g- gymnastics that we're doing here. That's true. Um, that's true. And Amazon's not helping with that, right, Dave? No. Apparently, they're claiming that July 1st is the last day of Downton Abbey's uh, tenure I mean, what, on their streaming site. What's that story about the boy who cried wolf? <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to, I mean, thank God we had it this month, but who's to say, you know, they, you, well, you, you might miss it. It might be gone. <laughs> Yeah, I think message received. We need to go back to the crown when we can. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So I think we said uh, taking the week off next week and then jumping into the crown after we celebrate American independence. Right. We need a, a week off. <laughs> I, I, I need a week off. I need to recharge my batteries desperate, desperately. And we've been good. We've been with you this whole virus. We've given you enough. I think we've given enough to the point where people are... Haven't, who haven't been able to catch up will need that week breather, maybe. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and I, I might dump an old Patreon episode onto the feed just for just for something to give the listeners if they want something. Just sure, for well, fun. Let's, talk, let, let's have them listen to us talk about posters if they haven't heard that one yet. Yeah, the posters yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's like 18 minutes. That's that's enough to keep you satiated for the week. Right, that, and that's from like like spring of last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. And there's so, another piece of news this week. What? It's your birthday. I mean, it's Sunday technically, so next week. But yes, it is. Yeah. Rather, if we're not going to be here next week, when else are we going to celebrate? Never. <laughs> I think usually, you know me, Dave. I have a, a different theme or something for my birthday every year. I, it's a different thing. And after a lot of sitting and thinking, this year I realized it's the year to do nothing. This is the year where nothing is happening on my birthday. Hey, that's you know, it's it's kind of the dream. Now you get you can save all the good stuff. I, I, I don't know, honestly. I don't know what to think anymore. Every day is the same. Uh, in a funk. In a funk. But it's okay. I, I'm, I'm going home for a few days next week. That's Keeping right. Keeping it safe. Yeah. Going back to Connecticut. Maybe I'll see Dave. Maybe not. Who knows? 
Yeah. You know, and if we see each other, we're not going to record. We're going to stick to this. We're taking the week off. We earned it. Yeah. We did a, a whole season of The Crown, a whole season of The English Game, four episodes of Downton Abbey, and some breakdown episodes in between. We're taking the taking a week. It's summer vacation. Four score, four score and a couple seasons ago. You know, I mean, we're not necessarily we proud of our, our nation right now. There's a lot going on, but. Nope. <laughs> we're gonna we're we're proud of ourselves. No, but right now it's the London season. That's, That's true. That's what it is right now on Down Abbey. Uh, people asked us to come back to this episode. I think for for one reason really. Paul I G. You think that? I don't think that's the one reason. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a big reason. People people love the GMI. Well, I think we did spend a year or whatever hyping up his appearance. Mm-hmm. Not to say we didn't do the episode justice at the time. I haven't revisited it, but I think we did. I think we did appreciate it properly at the time. Yeah, uh, I did make some observations having a full rewatch that mm-hmm. I think we'll get to as we discuss. But I mean, one of the things off the bat we could start with that caught me. Uh, did it catch you, Dave? Is the opening? What that it had an opening? Yeah, it didn't have one. All all these Christmas specials for Downton that have aired on Christmas Eve. They have they don't have the opening credits. Usually, it's some kind of different cutting show the the name of the the show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and this has Isis's butt or Pharaoh's butt, whatever dog is supposed to be in that first season. It's very workmanlike. It's like no, we're not letting up from last episode. This is very much another. Well, this is this season, is season four. This is a we're in the struggle seasons of Downton Abbey, season four and five. And it's kind of a small miracle that this episode happens, <laughs> that it's as good as it is. I know it is a real shining light, even though it does highlight all the real crummy things about the last season and and the next season absolutely and honestly there's so many threads here i don't even know where to start but i think maybe one logical start point is Sherilyn mclean is back yeah cora's mother and she's brought paul g money along with her yeah paul g iconic star of film i like that uh in our in the lords of grantham lounge on facebook our friend Estelle from Australia thought that Paul Giamatti was like some character actor that we just thought was funny. <laughs> she didn't know that he was like you an mean, actual movie star. Academy Award winning, uh, Emmy Award winning, global, Golden Globe Award winning yeah, actor. Global phenomenon and act, a thespian of, of the world. One of a kind. Uh, so it's it's Harold Levinson, that's Paul Giamatti, and Martha Levinson, Shirley MacLaine. And... Honestly, I think we could start with the Shirley MacLaine plotline because it's probably the slightest of this episode that when it was wrapping up, I didn't even realize this had been a thread. <laughs> what, <that laughs> to be honest. Looking for Lord, Lord, uh, what's his name? Aesgard? Yeah, Aesgard. Um, to be honest, I watched this episode in two halves. I watched half this morning and half this evening because I just couldn't tackle it at once. I didn't have the time to say Yeah, I watched it in uh, three parts, actually. I did like... Wow. 45, 25, and 10, just because of my, my schedule. 10 minutes? It was the last gonna... 10, and it was a good okay. last 10. We'll get, well, you know, the last 10 is the, the It was trip. a lean 10 minutes. Okay. Um, but did you pick up that Shirley MacLaine even had a storyline this episode? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of paralleled up to Harold's story. They go hand in hand. They're just looking for love in all the wrong places. Uh, or at least she is. Uh well, she's not, well rich... she's not looking for love. She's looking for a good time. Right. That, that, that's, the, that's the mistake that the Lord makes. <laughs> and the Dowager looking... makes, too. She's got the Dowager fooled. 
She thinks she's just out there snooping for money, it just is. like her daughter Cora. It's funny because uh, in the next two seasons of the show, Lord Merton really becomes a, a a point of contention with with the Dowager because she thinks mm-hmm. that you know Isabel wants to be with Lord Merton, and and the status will change to the fact that Isabel will have more than her, and whether or not it's true, the Dowager is looking at two other sort of rival matriarchs that are threatening her role even if it is right just a passing we're in town kind of fling with with um what is Shirley McLean's name I don't even remember it's Martha Levinson Martha Levinson yeah two minutes ago <laughs> there's a lot of names going on in this episode okay well that's an easy uh, one to, to blow through yeah so I mean it's literally in the background of two scenes where she meets this guy when they go to picnic at one point during the day, he's there talking her up. And then it just concludes with this, where she gives a big speech about how I never wanted you. I just wanted to have some fun while I was here, but I got some rich, some friends who are seeking rich people that I'll entertain you and a bunch of your friends. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, and I like that it comes in mid conversation. It doesn't, it, you know, Lord Asgard mm-hmm. never gets the moment to sit her down and propose or whatever it is that he wants. We're just, we just cut to her saying, I don't want to be with you. What are you talking about? Yeah, that blow-off scene is longer than the entire plot line of the episode for her. This feels like uh, a movie subplot. Like, they really just absolutely. put this in here to, to give us some Shirley MacLaine. I mean, honestly, this plot, in a lot of ways, reminds me of a movie plot where you bring in the heavy, you know, actors, and you just have them on the periphery, and then you have, you know, a good uh, central concept of going on, you know, driving the plot. Like, to me, I think what makes this work separate from season four, which didn't work for the most part is that it's just kind of its own thing you know they, they're in london it's it's operating on its own accord you know similar to kind of how the highlands was its own thing it, it this feels like a movie plot it fills 90 minutes successfully without really having to push forward a lot of the main characters that much yeah it's kind of it's kind of like a uh something like a like a, a muppet thing where it's like all these characters that you already know performing a role in a sketch Mm-hmm. where you take their drama out from the normal setting and you can kind of forgive them for what they've been doing poorly for the past eight episodes and just kind of enjoy them in this other setting. Right. And I, I, one of the more isolated storylines I think we can hop to next. Do you mind if we go upstairs, downstairs, and just jump around? No. I mean, uh, I have. I, we'll see if it's the same storyline I'm thinking about. I'm just thinking of Daisy. Okay, yeah, that's fine. That wasn't what I, The one I was thinking of is much shorter, but... It's also ties into another one. So, well, yeah, Daisy. Okay. Well, this one doesn't tie to anything. So, there's an American who's there, uh, Ethan Slade. Is that, is that how you pronounce his name? Ethan? Ethan? <laughs> I didn't I didn't write down his Eason. name because they just call him uh, Levinson, like, you know, a, a foreigner's assistant or valet. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that he says valet instead of valet? So, he says it the American way. So, he's just as dumb as us? I would did, and what, I actually took note of this. All the American characters here, I feel like, are written dialogue of like 2010. Mm-hmm. There's no but, subtlety, and maybe it's just because that's how Julian thinks Americans talk. Probably. But th- this, th- this like, valet, valet, I can say, mm-hmm. he's just like a like a golly gee willikers, you know, like he is. A, oh, he's chipper. He is absolutely chipper. Uh, and he has this perpetual look on his face where he looks like he's just always, he, he just finished gulping air down. Like, cool. <laughs> um, 
there's this guy is two dimensional. He he's just gee whiz to everything, but to Daisy, wow, wow, wow. that wolf. Literally, if they just overlaid him saying "humana, humana, humana" every scene, it would have been the same. <laughs> yeah, it would have been the same story the entire episode. Just humana, 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 uh, and he's just smitten with her yeah, because he, she's. He goes to Carson and says, "Hey, is anything going on with Daisy?" No, he says, "Man to man, <laughs> you and me, you and me. What's Car- going Carson on with Daisy? <laughs> you tell me right now." What's going on in Daisy? That's the American accent coming out. I'm sorry, you gotta. What, what gotta if it just it showed in. the door, and and this guy just flies through like the door th- is thrown open, and he's tossed out by Carson. <laughs> just down and leans heavy into slapstick. This episode for whatever yeah. reason, Carson just slap, uh, just you know, slaps his hands together like, all right, get him out of here. Um, yeah, the guy's just clearly a doofus, and even then, you you feel bad for Daisy knowing she can do better than him. Like as much as Alfred was a doofus. This guy's, I don't know, he makes Alfred look decent. <laughs> um, yeah, but, and, and he, he notices that Harold is really enjoying the American cuisine, or the English cuisine, and suggests, puts the, the word in his ear that, hey, we can get this cook to come with us. What is the cuisine that he could be eating that he just wants to take back to America? Because, I mean, is, I mean but, we'll get to Her- Harold's plot later, even though it is... But this, this, this he, may play into stereotypes and stuff, but... It's pretty common that like Americans aren't crazy over English food. And, and he you even know, says it. Paul Giamatti even has right. a line where he's like, I heard the food here stunk. And this is I usually like fried it. fish. <laughs> fried fish and uh, chips, whatever. We know that uh, Downton's not doing deep fry. There's no fryer at no, Downton. No, not deep fried. No. So there's something, there's something in Daisy's cooking, I guess, that makes the boys go, mm. Yeah, you know, uh, Pat Moore, Pat Moore's taught her well. By the way, Pat Moore in this episode, she looks skinny. Did you notice that? She looks skinny. I, I mean, I guess her. I wasn't paying attention. Oh, I noticed it. Good for her. Bring back Tofton. Uh, but yeah, the Mr. Levinson, Eason, uh, gets the idea, maybe Daisy could be our cook. And he doesn't even let her get a word in. He's like, no, no, no. You're just going to come, all right? Yeah. You're down. I'm down. Let's go, you know? But then it takes Daisy uh, a little while, but she says, I'm not coming. Nuh-uh. Uh-uh. Uh, this poor young man's heart is broken. I really don't care. <laughs> uh, but he gets he gets a he gets a consolation prize, right? Which is crazy. So he's uh, Ivy says, "I'm down. I can cook. I like to do things. I like New York." And he's like, "Ugh, I don't know." Ugh. And then Daisy's Daisy, like, you just sure? take Ivy. She's a taller version of me. Yeah, she's better than me in every way. She has more self-confidence. She has an education. I don't have any of those Less dramatic. <laughs> Much less dramatic. Um, and he's just like, ugh. Humana, 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 humana. Uh, and he's like, I guess. <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, I do like that Daisy stands up for herself, though, in that moment. Like, Yeah, and then good- there's the iconic scene after they walk away where she's like, I never was going to say anything, and I'm, but I like the attention. Yeah, she says, I'd kiss him if he wouldn't get the wrong idea. And she'll carry it with her to next summer, which, again, I think we said last time. Daisy, just stick up for yourself a little bit more. Do a little bit more of those saying no things to really bolster your confidence. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> come on, Daisy. But it, it it's a good, good week for, her, for Daisy. You can't deny the fact that she she's stepping up to the plate. And we, she's been asking for responsibility, if we recall. Mm-hmm. And clearly it's shown that it's kind of working. 
I'm just glad we don't have to see this tool ever again because I think that maybe that's the word we're looking for. The guy's a tool. But how uh, how do you think the actress who played Ivy is thinking this is as a write off for the character? I think she's okay with it. I think, I think Ivy's Ivy is presented as there's the love square. And we lost Alfred through this whole plot thread of him trying to get this job. And then well, Ivy just gets written off in like a scene. Well, I think we've talked about before where, you know, I think these these side actors had like two year spans. Like Alfred had two years. Jimmy mostly has two years. He doesn't last longer than Ivy. Ivy gets disappeared. And uh, was it even, was it O'Brien lasts three years? Like they, they don't last long, which I guess, you know, tracks with the, maybe the help down there. Is uh, is it like next early next season that Jimmy gets outed? It's literally the next episode he gets caught stroking, and then like the wow. episode after that he's fired. I I'm like. Sure. I think Jimmy is a good character. I wish they didn't get he rid of him. He does nothing this episode. He That's, literally does absolutely nothing. They just name check him to say like, "Oh, James is going to help me." Yeah, he's like sitting back, leaning on a chair, just I don't know, doing nothing, <laughs> collecting I, paychecks I, I like until he gets written off. Like he came along. He was a good. He was good for Barrow. That's you're just a fan of the the song that goes along with the, what he's known for. No, I think, but he's not known for that at this moment. Yeah, that's fine. Um, what what was the storyline you wanted to get to, Dave? That's pretty short. I was gonna say Tom Barrow is a is a pretty short one, but well, I guess more so Mosley and Baxter and Barrow have a a sort of subplot mm-hmm. where this is just the beginning of what's to come. And it does absolutely nothing this episode, aside from establish that Mosley will stand up for Baxter. Wait, is it the beginning? I mean, where we're coming, it could have been going on for episodes. This is a thing that just gets repeated for several episodes, if I recall right. Uh, yeah, this is, just this keeps... is like the thing on wrestling that happens after the match before the commercial <laughs> where it like fades up and there's a character like, next week, Barrow debuts. <laughs> but it's just next week, does Baxter's secret come out? And then it fades to a like Cheetos commercial. Oh, see, it reminded me of like a wrestling thing or a soap opera where if you missed yesterday's episode or last week's episode, they repeat it the next week just in case you missed it. <laughs> so don't worry, it hasn't changed. And we're going to you know, blow it off at some point, but we're just going to repeat it again this week because we ha- we're in a holding pattern here. And I mean, we can get like, it's not even worth discussing because it's, it's, a, it's a dumb thing that gets resolved poorly for Baxter aside from just building her up as an important character. But I mean, we do get sweet moments with Mosley, you know, saying like, you don't have to do that. You can stand up for yourself. Uh, and so then says her telling, you who was laying tar last week. That's <laughs> true. Uh, but she does thank Mosley for giving her some confidence and stuff, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. And the, uh, do you want to just continue on with what Barrow was up to this week? Yeah, he's just working. Yeah, but he's he, he is a full-on heel in this episode. And it's funny because we watched the last real barrow heavy episode we watched was the season three christmas special mm-hmm. which features him getting beat up trying to save jimmy and basically he's all sad and and sad boy because he's like nobody accepts me and jimmy's like i'm your friend <laughs> and then things are looking good but then mm-hmm. o'brien leaves which again looking good for for good guy barrow but here we are he's bitter at who uh, Tom Branson. Yeah, the other, the other, because he has his name. They both share the same name. And then there's also more to it than that. Than that, I imagine. <laughs> uh, well, it's more so that he, he there's resentment. You know, Branson started off where Barrow was essentially working downstairs, and now he gets to live upstairs with the 
with the Crawleys and when they, you know, have to drive off to, you know, go up to London eventually, he says like, why don't we, we have to sit by side by side because we have these, this luggage and it's like, nope, luggage goes in the trunk. We sit separately, bro. It's a uh, Barrow and, and Brand like, well, don't you think that at this point in time, even like Carson would probably be okay with people making underhanded comments to Branson because when they got, I, when they got married, nobody liked Branson. Yeah, they're pretty upset about it. But now here we are, what, a season and a half removed from Sybil passing away, and Mm -hmm. they're like, respect Branson's position in this family. Well, I mean, I think this is coming off the heels of this season where he really proves himself as the, was the agent. Mm -hmm. You know, he takes over for Matthew, and he really, they really help to work on the farm. So, he's he's, he's earned his place, I think, is really where they're at. You know, to the point where Branson's okay to, dance the dowager's okay to dance with branson yeah you know? the, i mean branson and we'll dive deeper into it but once branson gets to london he is just like a background player he just delivers yeah. isis essentially right but i mean who does he bump into on in the street before he leaves who does he bunt into Ugh. uh <laughs> miss bunting it's funny because we've seen in this greatest hits tour we've gotten tastes of both edna and Whatever Bunting's first name is. I don't even know. I don't care. Yeah, I think know. it's Miss. It's, Miss. it's literally Miss. Missy yeah. Bunting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do I do like that this episode picks up a couple months after the last episode. And the way that the, Julian handles that is Bunting drops her books and she says, Albero says hi. And she's like, you've been avoiding me for these past few months. And he's just like, have I? I was just about to go he, eat right here. He you goes, down? I'm busy. <laughs> I got a life. Yeah. I got a job. <laughs> I got a kid to provide for. You don't have a kid. What do you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, just as he bumps into her, the Dowager is rolling by saying, hey, hey, Tom, what's going on? Wait, who, who's this here? Who, who this? Who do who here? And, uh, but she's not like impolite to the woman. She's just like, oh, okay, I don't. She's just very dowager Just to the yeah, point. She's like, I'm out of here. To which Miss Bunting takes it in the front to it like, Oh, she doesn't want anything to do with me, clearly. <laughs> we, we, we see that, uh, again, to use wrestling words, Miss Bunting is just a repackage of Edna. A little nicer, a mm-hmm. little more well-meaning, well, but she's still yeah. like, all she's there to do is remind Branson of who he used to be. And he ain't, he ain't that anymore. But, I mean, uh, he does go to the pub for, for dinner. Yeah, and they, they have a, a final time there, and he... he brings her back to the house to the down yeah and she says she wants to see the gallery and he's like no i don't think branson she way oversteps absolutely he's like no we should stay down here and she's like no i'll just be him for a moment and she just walks by him to go upstairs and it's like get out of here woman this isn't your house (laughs) and he he is you can see he's much less of a, a shell of a man as he is when edna is taking advantage of him but mm-hmm. he's still kind of a pushover with the women. A little bit. I mean, maybe he likes her gumption that she's. I mean, not he definitely to... he definitely likes her gumption. <laughs> yeah, but come on, man! This woman, she's just barking up the wrong trees, man. And when and, and when Barrow catches them, it, because he does, he's like mm-hmm. stuttering over his words because he doesn't want to cause trouble. Like he still feels like Barrow's got something on him, even though he doesn't. He can't well, just he does be like this. Well, yeah, but he can't just be like. Dude, you're below me. Don't mess with me. 
Uh, yeah, you I see my abs. <laughs> yeah, bro. Uh, I, I do like though. There's a moment where he's eating breakfast and Barrow's just standing over his shoulder watching him, and he's just so, Branson is so nervous. But I get you know if you got caught in the act doing something you weren't quite supposed to be doing, and then you're supposed to eat with that person staring over your shoulder, I would definitely feel discomfort as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's like. The good thing about Barrow is you can call his shots a mile away. He's not a surprising man. Uh-uh. He's, no. He's a little questionable morally, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But he's not a he's not full of surprises. So when they get to London, of course he tells Robert in a in a very unfair moment socially, right before this poker game that we'll get to later. But mm-hmm. during the game, Branson has to sort of just cover up and Robert doesn't I mean granted there's a lot going on but Robert's like okay all right just don't don't do it again man just don't uh <laughs> just don't do it in the hallways man whatever but, but okay? Bar- <laughs> the way Barrow says it he's like I know he's not expected to remain single for the rest of his life but this was a lot and Robert's like shut up dude you cause so much trouble around my house <laughs> I mean, well, this is it. Was it didn't recently Barrow like succeed at exposing the nanny? So maybe maybe he has a little bit of clout, just a little bit. I mean, he's definitely on the up and up. He's under Butler. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, tackle another short plot line, which is uh, Edith. Yep, she's back from having she, a baby. Gregson has yeah. disappeared. Uh huh. Still missing. And the 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 arrangement to have the baby stay off in the foreign country with some, I don't know who exactly relatives. Some like yeah, some I think some like farm, foster home or something like that. Yeah, it's it's going okay. Uh, but and e- Edith, Edith is a Edith stands to inherit Gregson's newspaper empire. It's good for her. She's going that's a, that's a, head to head with Richard Carlyle. Yep, she comments that you know. That she had the baby in her, she's back to normal shape. It's just like, what does that mean? Back to normal shape? It's just, it's. it's sorry, this is going to sound glib as a man, but like, I'm watching Sex in the City right now, and the big plot line is Miranda just had a child. Spoiler alert for four seasons into that, and she can't get her body back to how it was, and maybe some bodies just go back to normal quickly. But it's just so funny how Edith just tosses it off, and maybe this is just owes to Julian's knowledge of women. I don't know, but it's like, can Edith just say, "I'm back to normal, baby"? I had a baby. I'm normal. I mean, some people do, and I'm sure that that I Rosamond guess. made sure that she was doing the work. Yeah, but it was just like you know, it was a different time back then. It was a rare thing. So good for Edith. Good, good for her gene- genetics. I guess I should say. Well, and and I guess you could say that she went away, and she probably yeah. could use the excuse that she was indulging a little too much in the 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 That's food fair. of wherever she was. So, but I guess it does it, it does run in the family. I mean, look at Mary; she doesn't gain a single pound after having a child. <laughs> uh, that's true. That's true. So good for them. I shouldn't be so critical of people's weights or anything. I, I, I don't know. Just watching these episodes, you just it is it is a yeah. th- he's trying to write his way out of having to have her wear some kind of prosthetic for budget reasons, exactly. and that's fine. Th- that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, but she's in the background for most of this episode. Yeah, she has a scene with the from- dowager where the dowager is basically like, you know, you're going to get over this, and you just like. It's easy for you to say. And then she has basically the same scene with Rosamond, who has never had a child and has never been married. Mm-hmm. And then Rosamond right. makes some comment offhand where she's like, oh, you don't know, as if we're going to get some sort of revelation about Aunt Rosamond. Mm-hmm. But we never do. No. And and the, it's funny, even in the A plot of this whole episode, Edith is just sitting there saying, wait, what's going on? <laughs> she's just left out of that. She literally comments on the, that. 
Um, she's like, we're going to figure out what you're up to. And then it's like, no, you're not. Because yeah. what her how the episode ends for her is her making deals, making well, moves. Well, we, we do get the one moment of Robert saying, I don't know what's going on in your head anymore, Edith. Kind of abruptly out of nowhere. <laughs> He's like, I do. Con- I am concerned about you. Um, well, she's got a handle, Robert. She's bringing in the Druze. <laughs> yep. She she wants to destroy another family <laughs> on your farm. Well, little do Robert. we know how much damage this is going to do. But I do like how they kind of tee it up. It does set up intrigue for like, I want to see where this goes in season five. Like whatever she's scheming to put together here. Mm-hmm. It can't end well, but I can't wait to see where, where it goes. Um, yeah. Well, poor Mr. Mr. Drew doesn't know what he's signing up for. He's not, he's, I was surprised how down Mr. Drew is for this in this episode. He's like, okay, all right, let's cool, go. Cool. Give me a child. I get paid once a month to watch this child. Hell yeah. Where do I sign up? Give me, where's the baby? <laughs> I cool. love Wait, babies. You're going to get the baby? You're going to give me, you're going to hand me the baby? It's and your friend's my baby? wife just has to watch it. My wife does. I don't have to do anything. Show me the money. <laughs> Drew's <That's> down. <laughs> and then away they go. Uh, and nothing goes wrong with that at all. Um, I, do, like, actually, or I, I just stumbled over all the plots getting to where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Edith is like, hey, mom, I'm going home early. And, and Cora's like, cool. And she says, well, I might go travel too. And Cora's like, cool. <laughs> like they cool really story. don't right. care about. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. They're like, cool. all right, Edith, you know, go do you. Also in this episode, I mean, we touched on it before, but Lord Merton is flirting, flirting with Isabel, and that's nothing more than the background of a couple scenes-ish. <laughs> it makes you forget about poor Dr. Clarkson. Justice for Clarkson, everyone. Hashtag it. Um, what else are we missing before we get to the major stuff? I, I mean, Carson is struggling to figure out what to give the workers on a day off. Yeah. Either the Science Museum or the Crystal Palace. What is he to do, Dave? Well, when nobody reacts the way that he wants to, he mm-hmm. just said, let's go to the beach. And it's funny because uh, Hughes uh, suggests, well, give them the option. Let them, you know, try and choose where to go. So he just lays out the two options. Then the others, like similar, the science museums or natural history. And it's just like, let them choose, Carson. And the American but, guy is like, oh, it doesn't sound all that fun. I don't like, it's like You don't have a choice in this, man. You're a, Shut up. You're a guest. <laughs> get back to America, Levinson, or wherever you're going on this European trip, Rome, Italy, whatever. Um, get out of here. Uh, but they go to the beach. I mean, Carson decides. He makes his mind up. Or it's like, we're, we're going to the beach today. We're going surfing. Yeah, they are. And, and this is the episode where we really see Julian planting the seeds for Hughes and Carson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they walk out into the water and they, they hold hands. It's really sweet. Yeah, and she's what did she? There's I didn't write down quotes because this is a rewatch. Because he's nervous I, about falling in the the water and uh, yeah, getting his pants wet. And she's like, "Well, just dry your pants." You know, she just basically proves emphatically that she is there for him. And I think mm-hmm. if anyone was on the fence about whether or not these two are going to wind up together, here we are. I do find it humorous how everyone's dressed in their work attire there at the beach, and everyone appears to be sweating profusely like tom thomas is sweating a lot mosley is sweating a lot it's like Uh, it's like they're all wearing uh it's like a video game where they can't really change their outfits but they can give them like a hat mm -hmm. so bates has like a straw fedora on oh he looks like a dumb dada there with the hat and everything in the game (laughs) 
Oh, he's uh, he's yeah, living his best life. Oh, well, and we'll get we'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, you know, they take their their board to work that day, and they're they're going surfing. Yeah, and that's it. Uh, absolutely. And I guess we want to get back into the the meat, the real meat of the episode. Mm-hmm. Harold's plot is very thin here. We kind it's of cover it. It's, it's very <laughs> parallel to Shirley MacLaine. It's the best plot. It is so good. It's just literally, we got Paul, Paul Giamatti for a week, guys. What, what do we do with him? We can't I, keep him around for more episodes. I like that he's, he doesn't even really act. He's just, Julian was like, well, just go in the room and act upset and annoyed. <laughs> yeah. Act per- flummoxed or perplexed. Okay, do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... Yeah, Paul Giamatti just arrives, kind of announces himself. <laughs> He's like, oh, hey, everybody, it's me. I'm annoyed. You may know me some, from such things as John Adams, where I was an American. <laughs> and uh, the, whole, the whole time he's just, he doesn't, he's not appropriate. But that's his no. gimmick. He's fun and American, and he doesn't know what's right and what's wrong. And it was the Dowger even comments on the way he talks. <laughs> like, you know, just... Do they talk like this all the time or whatever or something? I don't know. It's like, no, just uh, Paul Giamatti, just Oscar, just, just this award-winning actor. Yeah, one of the goats. Uh, he, But, he, yeah, him and Ma are going to Madrid, Paris, and Rome to get his mind off of uh, some bad vi- business ventures. Something with teapots, I imagine, I think they said. I don't even know. I mean, it would I be Giamatti that, to that, say it's that, a teapot that. issue. <laughs> Don't they mention him early earlier when they're, they're having financial troubles? Like they're like, yeah, don't end up like my brother who's just making weird moves. I think so. I think they do like allude to him. Uh, but pretty quickly he meets a, a young woman there. Um, Lord Asgard's Al- daughter. Whose daughter? The one that's, oh, I think it's old the one man. Who's, yeah. who's flirting with his mother. It's his his yeah. daughter. Well, because I, at one point he's like, when they're dancing, he says, basically, I live to dance with rich men's daughters. Yeah. What's her name? Abilin or something, I think. Ma- Madeline, maybe? I, I Another one Ma- that... Uh, no, it's uh, Madeline Alsup. That's what it is. Madeline uh. Al- Alsup. Uh, she is less than half his age. Uh, I looked it up. Giamatti here is about 46 or 47. She's 22. But, you know, different times, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he's around romance there. We see the picnic again where he's just talking her up and how, yeah, he likes to show girls a good time and leave them with a diamond bracelet. Yeah, and, and we see here, or is it earlier when he's talking to her and he's like, how come people don't want to talk about money? Like, I understand this is what it's about. And he's basically just saying to everyone in the Downton world, he says, I don't care about this. Like, I'm just here to have a good time. Mm-hmm. Little does he know this 22-year-old is sweet on him. Who who would have guessed? I mean, they really play him as like a charmer in this episode. But it, you, they play him as the, like the reluctant charmer. Like it's, it just yeah. it just sweats off of him. He doesn't care. Yeah, but I think he charms the audience. I mean, they they have the brief moment where he says to the Prince of Wales, Harold Levinson, and he's like, "That's not my name." And he's like, "Yeah, I know. I said that's my name." And well, why did you call me that? And then he just laughs to himself, like, "What an like, idiot this <laughs> Prince of Wales guy is," <laughs> which is great. That's great. How can you not like Paul G? Um, he has a yacht. We find out too. Yeah, he's a he's a, he's a he rides around on a yacht, gives out diamond bracelets, and pretty much his storyline is he just this girl's going to join him for the rest of his European trip, I think, and then that that's it. They're a thing. Well, may, I mean, we never hear his name again. 
right? I think they reference like Cora's siblings or whatever. Or they would say Harold. He's been on the show. He was a big plot of this episode, big part of this episode. Mostly just making introductions and meeting people. That's that's a, like almost a quarter of his dialogue is like, hello, oh, hi. Oh, yeah. Or just making the Dowager make uncomfortable comments. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, but that's that's uh, that's the Paul Giamatti this episode. That's it. That's right. <laughs> so now now we get to the and just to wrap up the whole American thing. There is that good moment where Shirley MacLaine reminds the Dowager at the end, like, you know, we're 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 the future and we're coming towards you. You know, you can't you know dodge us anymore or anything. You know, we are the world. And she says to Lord Aesgard, she's like, I'm modern. I'm about the mm-hmm. future. It's like, you're like 75 years old. I mean, she's going she's gonna to do it, you know? She, she is the future. Yeah, she's just dragging her 45-year-old son around Europe with her. Yeah, <laughs> lucky him. So I think that leaves the big A plot left, right? Yeah. Heist. <laughs> Uh, the Dantlin, the Dantlin heist of multi. I I forgot how how all engulfing this is. Really, it truly because is because it really uh, is assemble the crew. Yeah, so they're they're going to London for the presentation of Lady Rose as uh, when ladies become women. This is like a, a formal thing they do. They present them in front of royalty, mm-hmm. and who the king and queen. who is the king and queen, and who is who is there, Dave, that we know from the Crown. The king, the f- the future king, who abdicates the throne, baby, the Prince of Wales. Yeah, wait, isn't it? Um, isn't it George? Yeah, yeah. No, wait. What are you talking about? <laughs> the Prince of Wales, who they they are alluding to here, that is. Don't even bother looking it up. I already Wikipedia this. This is literally. It is Uncle Dave. This is the guy who cries while playing the Scotch bagpipes in the Crown. Yeah, the piece of trash. Yeah, and this I didn't realize how um how this was Oh, his okay, cuz they did say George at one point, but his name is Prince Edward Albert Christian George Andrew Patrick David. Yeah, he has like every name in the alphabet. Yeah. Yeah, so I was a little like I I didn't fact check it, but so mm-hmm. this is this subplot is based on reality, all of it. And I was not aware that that um Frida Dudley Ward was real. Yeah, he was dating her uh, at the time. It, it wasn't like well looked upon, but he was with her. Uh, yeah, but I, the Wikipedia used um, like a paramour or something like that. The, the phrase that they used was like a controversial frowned upon relationship. A lover, you know? Yeah, so this <laughs> is much. basically, uh, what's his name from the crown? Prince Margaret's man. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, that guy. Peter. <laughs> Peter Town. Peter. Yeah, essentially that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, he's there when they're, they're up there, and he's aware of Lady Rose. He's, he says to his dad, like, oh, yeah, she comes you know, from Shrimpy. You remember remember him? Yeah, from India? Yeah. Um, now, it is interesting that this is the king and queen's first appearance on Down Abbey, and these are the same king and queen that visit the abbey in the movie. Is it? Yeah, because otherwise it would be... I, I, the the king and queen from the crown and it's like five years later it's not the yeah i guess so i guess so and these actors want to be the same yeah and i actually meant to look but i doubt they're not the same actors yeah so uh yeah a lot, a lot of prince of wales walking around you know everyone everyone sees him carousing with, with people 
but before that, got? we see them yeah. at a club. They're with one mm-hmm. of Cousin Rose's there, yeah. friends. They're with Madeline's friends. Well, it's well they know Alsop. Dudley Ward, right? Freedom. Who's that? They go into this club, late Cousin Rose, and I think she's with Madeline, who's yeah. Paul Giamatti's love interest. And they see Frida uh-huh. Dudley Ward there with the... Oh, yeah, they know her. Yeah, yeah. So they go over, and they're like, look who it is. And it's like, dun, dun, dun. It's the Prince of Wales. And then who's uh, who else is there? The card shark. Uh, oh, Samson. Mr. The, Samson. Who, earlier season four episode where he got his... His pants beaten off him by by Gregson in a game of poker because he was caught cheating. Yeah. Uh, so untrustworthy worthy fellow, and continues to be untrustworthy here, because when everyone goes to the bathroom, he steals the love notes from the prince oh, yeah. to. I mean, I don't even know if they go to the bathroom. They just go to the dance floor, and he's just taking. He's just searching their stuff. Yeah, and he just he just takes these love notes. So we know. So at this point in time, I think their relationship, Frida and the prince. It's heavily is, rumored. Yeah, but it's not official. So this is uh this mm-hmm. is that dirt that he needs. Yeah. It's almost like a video game character, you know, when you like you, you search a, a character and then you just pull out the information that you need. Mission accomplished. Uh it's quickly realized by Frida that this is missing. I need that back. And she's also happens to be tight with Charles Blake and Gilliam. Because <laughs> yeah. they're just floating around. Oh well, yeah, that's right, that's right. The you're dropped right in the middle of Mary and Tony and Blake. Marion or men, as they say this episode. Yeah, Mary's or, men. Yeah, Dowager says, yeah, Dowager says Mary's men. She's like, they're not my men. And it's like, yes, they are. Actually, do, it is a multiple, multiple times recurring thread where you refer to both of them as like, I'm sorry, I'm playing you guys against each other. And there's even, a, yeah, the scene at the end of this episode that resolves everything. Like, look, I can't make my mind up between you or Charles. And then Gillingham's like, you know, Charles is rich. And she's like, she, he is. <laughs> and then. That's where we her. get to. <laughs> From her, yeah, <laughs> uh, she starts panting. Um, but it just makes me realize how much a waste of time this stuff was because it doesn't add up to anything. And there's nothing that Mary necessarily learns about herself from these two situations, other than she wants to try it before she buys it, which yeah. is great. Uh, but like, what a waste of time with these two guys. I really like Charles Blake, good guy. But yeah, I think I I like, and we hear Napier is in this situation too. It's it's a she's juggling. Well, they don't say Napier in relation to her. It's their idea to maybe loop him in to help with this whole scenario or something no, like well, that. Well, at the I think when she's talking to Gillingham at the end of the episode, she's like, "I feel bad for you and Charles and even Evelyn." Oh yeah, she says his name in there too. She said, you know, she, she doesn't just, put some respect on Evelyn Napier's name. I feel like that show, the show, constantly does that for six seasons, only for it to just lead to nothing. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was thinking watching this episode, I think, I think. Blake is better than Henry. Oh, I mean, it's clear. Like, I think next to Matthew, and he he might even be a better match for Mary than Matthew. Wow. Uh, I mean, it's it's debatable. The, the The fact that he keeps to himself, the fact that he's a he's rich and is going to inherit an entire you know castle or whatever, like. Man, that's huge, and he's just so willing to help her out. Like, he doesn't even. Yeah, he's just a good a guy. Second. Straight up. I mean, yeah, at first they, I mean, he's the pig man. Like, he had that not going against him at first, he, you know, getting her involved the pig with the man pigs. went worked in his favor. Yeah. Uh, 
he tamps it down and he, he becomes a gentleman for her. Honestly, they I think they have good chemistry. You can feel it. And then he's on the soundtrack of the Down yeah, Christmas he's album. The, he's, he's great. He is the sound the Christmas album. He has the voice of an angel on that soundtrack. People go check it out. Uh, and Gilliam stinks. I hate Tony Gilliam. He's, he's not just nice. always No. He just always perpetually has this act, it seems like of I'm gonna get of I'm gonna get away with this. I'm gonna get the get get you and it's gonna be great. Yeah, like and, I, I Henry Talbot is like humbling for Mary, but mm-hmm. she keeps saying to Gilliam, "Like I'm gonna, I'm, I, I don't want to have to humble myself to Charles Blake." To which we find out he's he's a rich boy, which right. is like and perfect, perfect. If I re- if I recall correctly, the way the storyline resolves is Charles Blake is just tired of her playing games with him, so he's not he's he's out of it. Which yeah, is he like just, he no, work on. is sending him to Poland or something like that. They just write him off. Yeah. Yeah. Week. Well, either way, uh, he's when they they need to get this letter back from Mr. Sampson, mm-hmm. so they need to assemble the crew. Yep. So Rose is walking around and she goes, "Rob, uh, uh, cousin Robert, do you know this Mr. Sampson to be a bad guy?" And Robert's like, literally with the newspaper, flaps it down. He's like, "Yeah, <laughs> Sampson." Uh, and then so, thus begins the the heist yeah so you know robert he can he can assemble the crew you know so rose theoretically in the movie she would be the person with the money funding the whole thing but but robert's the the team lead uh need a forger yeah and they the thing is they don't even know who the forger is they just know a guy that allegedly knows a forger and for the first time within 45 minutes of the episode we see bates i know i was i was entirely for the first 45 minutes i was thinking where is he and then he comes so yeah and Robert says, yeah. do you know anybody from prison that forges letters? And Bates just says, oh, yeah, I do. And I think yeah. he's free today. <laughs> so I, I kept wondering, though, where was Bates? Like, I, like was he in jail? He just didn't reference it. I was so confused as to where he could be because, you know, he bounces all around uh, in the show. And, like, was it maybe something that like Brendan Coyle in real life, uh, you couldn't know? could show up. He was late that day. Yeah, you think. Because we, I, we I don't hear know. The, the, the Mr. Green... L- we don't like even looming. hear his name. Well, we yeah. f- when when there's the scene where Hughes wants clothes donated, and Anna uh-huh. gives Bates's jacket. She goes, "Mr. Bates yep. gave me this jacket finally," which mm-hmm. is all we hear about Bates even breathing this episode before he shows up to be yeah. offered this job as a forager, or to look for a forager, mm-hmm. and then he just goes right into the servants' hall and starts forging in front of everybody. <laughs> I mean, that's base for you, baby. You, you like, just, you know. Hughes uh, walks by and says, what are you doing? And he says, something for his lordship. And she goes, all right. <laughs> yeah. He's on. Right. Um, but just to flash back, you know, I did some research to try and find out where Brennan Coyle was and maybe explain why he wasn't in the first half of this episode. Oh, boy. It, it's good news, actually. I, I researched Brennan Coyle 2013, and the one thing I found was that he uh, – there was a win a date night with Downton Abbey's Mr. Bates in May 2013 uh, where the winning bidder uh, would win a date with Brennan Coyle. Uh, the funds would go to Origin Theater here in New York City. Uh, Dave, let me read the description for you. Oh, boy. The winner of the table-turning prize will lead will read poetry to Coyle in a horse-drawn carriage ride in Central Park and then take Coyle to dinner at the super fancy per se at the Time Warner Center. All the while making sure that Coyle's every need is taken care of. 
The bidder will offer to share their dessert with Coyle, and after dinner, we'll make sure Coyle gets home safely by depositing him in a cab and shutting the door for him. Coyle will then let the bidder know that he has arrived safely at his hotel. Why is it? How is that one to date with him? That's like you're taking him out. You're asking me, guess how much people bid for this? How What, what the winning bid was, Dave? This is New how York City, you... high society, Downton fans, 50 grand? Mm-hmm. A little lower. 45? 20. It was 20 grand that one. 20? Man, that's, yeah. that's really not a bad deal. Yeah, we could have done that. We could have gotten that night when Brendan Cole showed him a good get time. That Patreon, shake that tree a little bit. I just like the idea that it's like you, you got to put show... him on the cab to make sure he gets home safe. <laughs> yeah, because you know if you're going to dinner, theoretic, sorry, sorry, Coyle, but like, yeah, he's having a couple two or three. You just need to make sure he gets home safe. And <laughs> imagine reading him poetry. Like, he's like, all right. All Dickery, right. Dickery, Doc. Uh, anyway, so that's what uh, Brendan Coyle was up to in 2013. <laughs> um, but he shows up to Forge on time for this episode. So they need to forge a letter. Because they're mm-hmm. contriving a poker game because they know Samson is a card shark, a, a cheat. So, yep. that, so Robert says, if we fake this card game and forge a letter, you guys can sneak into his house and find mm-hmm. this letter. Or find the, the, the letters to the prince or from the prince. So who's going to help them with the sneaking? Mary. Mm-hmm. And Blake. Right. And, and Rose. And who's going to help, help play the card game? Tony Gilliam. There we go. Robert. <laughs> Branson. Absolutely. And but well Branson so, uh, doesn't Branson doesn't know. Branson's not part bad. of it. He just wants but, to and, and Gilliam yeah. is barely involved. He does he he gets an assist. No. And and Mary is the one who credits Blake with actually showing up and, and helping out. She recognizes that. Mm-hmm. And we uh, see the inside of the Samson's un- apartment, and it's just like they just talk about how depressing it is. Yeah, there's nothing but like a, a poker table in there. Yeah, and like a forger's like a desk for for you know forgery and stuff like that. Like he's a he's a swindler. Like he's a no good man. Yeah, I mean he's a, he's a piece of trash. He even has the moment where he, you know he says, "Who is it to Edith or Frida?" Like you know you really show me a great night, and I really appreciate it. And it's like man, you are full of it. You are full of it, Samson. Uh, but Ray, there's Lady nothing Rose there. Is, yeah, she has a bright idea to search the the sock drawer, uh, Lady Rose, and yeah, I guess it's not in the sock drawer. So then they go but, back to the poker game, and Mary does a uh, little like Eh-eh, to Robert, and Robert's sorry, like, Robert, nothing there. Oh no! Yeah. And then Robert just goes, "That's it for poker." And you see, Samson is like, "Oh, what? I didn't Come even on, get man. a chance to swindle." Yeah, I wanted more money. Uh, so yeah, that kind of wraps that up. But Bates isn't done yet. No. He kind of huffs and puffs and is like, I'm taking his jacket because he's going to go do something with it. And and Anna's like, what are you up to? And he's like, working. <laughs> and inside the jacket, he is finds the letter. The letter. And you see him kind of like, oh, Robert. And he dangles it in front of him. It's like, Bates, my and, man. And Robert kind of gives this thing of like, what could Bates be up to now? Like, he's kind of like unsure what Bates is going to show him. <laughs> It's like a cartoon he drew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at this caricature I made of you, uh, Robert. Um, and then Robert then presents it to Rose and Mary and just pops it open like, look at this. <laughs> look at what Mr. Bates did. Look at that. Look at that. Uh, and then we see Samson and, 
looking for this letter. No, <laughs> it's not there. <laughs> he shakes his. Yeah, fist. well, he doesn't know. He doesn't know it's Basie. He don't know anyone who did it to him. Uh, but Freda puts in the Prince of Wales ear. Hey, this this Rose girl did something good for you. Like you'll never you know. know how. Like, your life won't have any controversy in it going forward. So you really do owe this woman everything. Yeah. So he takes her on the floor and dances in front of everyone. Yeah, he shows up to the London house and he's like, look, I'm slumming it showing up to your house, but I'm going to dance. Yeah. And Robert remarks, if she won't be a darling of London society after this, I, I don't know you know, what she'll you know, be. Well, spoiler alert, Robert, she meets a guy and then moves to New York City, so she's not going to be the toast of London you know, for that much nope. longer. And not to mention she's already dated a controversial person of color before this. So, Well, that's just, fine. I mean, just, just like the prince is controversial cousin rose is not shying away from it but i mean something they're they're not gonna dig that up about her or anything um but she she is the darling of london and it just leads to her meeting a guy in the rain instead of uh you know a great suitor exactly uh that works out and freda remarks um what's it called uh about prince of wales he trusts me and he's a loyal little chap which is I think a little wink wink because he leaves her for another woman in like 1923. <laughs> so, uh, and we know he's not a nice guy. He's a very bitter no, man. A, this guy is a piece of trash through and through Prince of Wales. Uh, it's so funny to, to know that now watching this is like, Oh, of course he's crowding with the women. Cause that's who he is. He's giving them diamond bracelets. He could yeah. learn something from Harold Levinson to be a little bit more Let's gentlemanly. Get him out of there. Uh, just get the Prince of Wales out of there. Don't like him. I think the only thing we haven't touched on is Bates and Anna, which is uh, they find a ticket stub that uh, Bates had gone to London. Yeah, that's the that's the um, the Mister Green stuff. Yeah, and, but it's funny how Hughes and Mary keep making references to uh, to Bates, like, "Oh yeah, aren't you uh, always you know in London, or did you ever go there?" He's like, "I haven't been here in years." Yeah, and then Weird we, question to ask. <laughs> and then we just see Mary throws the ticket into the the fire and burns it. Because she wants to convict Bates because she thinks he he murdered him. No, but they, they don't like, want to convict Bates. They, they want Bates well, no, but free of it. She has, but she has that scene with uh, Hughes where she's conflicted. You know, She's like, I don't know if I can deal with this. And it's like, well, you know Bates. He's not that kind well, of she guy. She burns the evidence, though. She's I mean, she does. But it's, it's kind of weird that she's having that struggle when it's like, Look, if you think he may have did, murdered his wife, he was falsely convicted. You should know that by now, Mary. Don't hold it against him. Yeah, come the, on. The plaster or whatever is in her fingernails. Exactly. We've been over this. Yeah. So, I think that's. Uh, I think yeah, that's the whole episode. Yeah, this is a great episode. <laughs> this is a good. This is a good episode for us to end this. Uh, this uh, fun little month of Downton. There was moments in this episode where I was thinking, this may be the, may be the best episode yet of Down, <laughs> or uh, there is, but it's not. There's enough no. little things it's not. There's, there, but this this is a good, great Christmas special, though, top to bottom. The scene where they have the whole family pinging off each other about, you know, the plans for this whole heist and stuff, it's just, that yeah, is Even so the characters great. that aren't involved are appropriately scripted where they're like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, the, like there's scenes where Julian's like firing on all cylinders. Um. Dave, I recall last time we watched this episode, you heavily derided the green screen for when they arrive Ugh, at... It's bad. I, again, I, I still take the same pose. I don't see it. I don't see the green screen. The, and the, one, just, the picnic with the statue? The statue looks like it's made of clay. 
I mean, yeah. It's just an but, establishing I mean, shot, but it's not good. I, I, I didn't see it. I didn't, it didn't look that bad to me. It I mean, it's not the worst green screen. We've seen worse green screen. When, when, yeah, when Anna is in London looking for uh, who, who killed uh, Mr. Green or something like that, that that's the worst green screen of the show. Yeah, this this is not great, but it's, it's yeah, you know, you I look beyond it. I think it's forgettable. And they actually did film at Buckingham Palace, too, for this episode. So oh. N- not outsides, but interiors, apparently. Wow, that's good for them. Good for Julian. Well, he's a sir. He is a knight, so. Yeah, he's, he's got leverage. Uh, any quotes? Anything? Can't steal what's already been stolen. Um, Isabel goes to the, the, when she's in London, and she's not invited to the show. The dowager said she brought a book that should keep her occupied because the dowager just can't be nice to Isabel. Yeah. Oh, and Mary says something about having to share space with Edith. I'd rather sleep on the roof than sleep with Edith or something. Mm-hmm. Like she says, "It's great." And uh, I like the I like the scene where where. Robert says to Cora, he says, I wish Tom had arrived. And she's like, oh, look at you saying that. And he says, he's bringing ISIS. Yeah, he wants the dog. Uh, let battle commence. You know, Mary says to the two guys, and uh, it commences, all right. Yep. Uh, well, let's get to the rankings. All right. Well, who's going down for you, Dave? Who's number three? I got a one scene wonder. Mr. Drew. <laughs> he doesn't know it, but sugar, he's going down. <laughs> you know, you don't know what you're signing up for, my man. <laughs> no, man, this is this is a road you can't turn back on. Pour one out for Mr. Drew and his family. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel bad Please. for him. I put yeah. him on our Father's Day post on Twitter. <laughs> he deserves. A, he deserves a shout. <laughs> he tried. He tried to be a good father. Um, I number three, I got Ethan. Ethan. <laughs> I don't know. He's a loser. And I'm glad he's getting out of there without having Daisy. So he's, get out he's of there. He's just a loser. <laughs> he's a, a tool. He's a tool bag. He didn't even get to steal a kiss from Daisy. Get him out of there. All right. Well, number two, I got Barrow. Because the whole episode, he just walks around trying to to get something. And he... Sure. He... The... His plot against Barrow, or uh, Branson, is just mm-hmm. dumb. And Robert doesn't bite. And he gets nothing from Baxter. So he just fails. You know, like if you were to look at this sure. as like a report card, everything F, F, F. He's, congratulations, you played yourself. That's all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'd say at number two, I have Branson. Because Barrow does scare the bejesus out of him <laughs> for a, okay. a little while. And it, I don't think it sits too well with Robert. And then also the fact that he meets Bunting and... I we we I get, again that's sort of like Mr. Drew. That's the foreshadowing. Yeah, he doesn't know he's position. getting into. Yep. Number one, I mean, is Samson. Yeah, I mean, you got no one to hold him. You got no one to fold him. No one to walk away. No one to row. <laughs> he, you know, he was counting his money while he was sitting at the table. Yeah, there would be time enough for counting. When the deal in Zelda. And that's just adding his, his pocket to find the note. They, how, what if Julian paid for, for that Kenny Rogers song in that scene? That would have been iconic. Been nice. That would have been sweet. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that's an appropriate place for Samson. Yeah. You know, he does, he, he's got a two two or three episode arc. Two episode two episodes. Arc. That's yep. enough to solidify yourself as a, a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go, who do you got going up? I got Bates at number three. Okay. Dude's a for- forger, and uh, 
there's he's pretty happy with Anna. I was kind of surprised to see how happy he was with her. Yeah, and then he, Mary he says, burns evidence against him. Yeah, and and he's like, look, you gave away my jacket. I didn't even get to go through the pockets, but you can buy me ice cream. Okay, I, give me a penny look. I want it. On the bottom, I got of a your top three. <laughs> yeah, the bottom of the top. I got Daisy and Ivy because they both win in their own ways. For, dude's a loser. What are you winning from this guy? <laughs> Daisy and says Daisy's going to carry her for a year. <laughs> uh, she yeah, needs a W. She's right. been hounded by Mr. Mason all this time, and she just wants, you know, give her a little Some confidence a boost. And, that's true. And after all this drama, Ivy's taking a job in America. Say bye-bye. Yeah, she's moving on up. All right. Uh, Who's number two? Lady Rose. Okay. She's presented, you know, gets to dance with the Prince of Wales, succeeds in uh, getting that letter. She pretty much comes out on top, you know. It, it's pretty good for her. She has a good presentation. Okay. I, I got I got ties all around. I got Hughes and Carson at number two. I mean, they walked into a water. Yeah. But they, I think it, it is underrated how much they have to take on this episode without the help. Because Hughes isn't even supposed to go. She's not even supposed to be there today. Mm-hmm. But she gets called in, and then there's nothing. There's... Everybody loves everything. Everything goes according to plan for them. And then the moment in the water is a top, top five Downton Abbey moment. It is. It is a classic. And there's a lot of images online you can find of them walking into that water. So, yeah. And it, stubborn it's Carson. Iconic. Eats his humble pie and lets him go to the beach. He doesn't force something on him that they don't want. Madame Tussauds. It don't happen. Yeah. <laughs> no, no wax figures for them. I can only imagine how those wax figures looked back in the 1920s. I haven't seen photos, but I can't imagine it's as good as it is today. <laughs> and it's not great today. <laughs> it's not the best. No, no. Who do you got at number uh, one? I think it. I mean, if you differ with this, Dave, I don't know about you, man, but it, it's Paul Giamatti. <laughs> I I differ with that. <laughs> what it is weekend with Paul? Like it is the best. I guess for as, as up, an audience, collecting I, checks. Shouldn't, shouldn't you put like us, the the viewer, at number one for getting I mean, that? Uh, I I yeah, I think so. It's funny because people watch. You don't even this, call him Harold. You just said Paul Giamatti is number one. It's Paul Giamatti. I mean, at number one, I have written down Paul Giamatti, um, but. You think the people who watched the previous year on Christmas and were left so upset and down over Matthew's death, this year they had to have been like up and up. Like, like yeah, Dowland's about to enter its best season yet. And it enters into an okay season. Uh, better than four, but yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, my number one, it's it's the whole gang. It's the heist crew. It's a lot of names, man. It is a lot of, <laughs> that's Cousin Rose, Robert, Mary, Bates, Dave, Charles this is like Blake. This is like you watching a Fast and Furious movie and saying the whole crew wins. Dom, you know, Brian, uh, the, Tej. They, well, not everybody. I'm not throwing Gillingham in there. It's, okay. it's everyone that makes the move to, to do that because it is all those moving parts. Mm-hmm. You can't, you know, it's like it's like Murder on the Orient Express. Who did it? They all did it. Yeah, that's true. So that wraps it up. That, that was a great episode. It's so fun. It's so good. Yeah. And a nice, nice cap on on our yeah. month. Closest to a down movie we got until the down movie, I think. Yeah, because it featured a, a nice little pop of Paul. Mm-hmm. And royalty. Yeah and, yeah, and royalty. And it is, it is, they leave the premises and they don't go to some Scotland. They go to London. Yeah. It, it's just a good episode. A really good episode. Yeah. All right, so I mean that—that's it, Dave. I mean, what do we? Uh, I mean, what 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 do we watch recently, Dave? 
watch anything good? Uh, let me I, I, to 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 memorialize Joel Schumacher's passing. I watched Batman Forever. I, you inspired me to do the same, <laughs> and it was pretty awesome. That movie's so good. I, I love that movie. I watched it so many times as a child. Oh, it's it it's broken. That's for sure. But it is so tremendously enjoyable. Well, let me reel off why it matters. Okay. Mm-hmm. Seals Kiss from a Rose. It yep. won song and record of the year at the Grammys. One of the highest selling singles of the year. Went all the way to number one. Movie was nominated for Best Cinematography at the Oscars. Uh, highest grossing film of 1995. <laughs> Platinum selling a soundtrack. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then it's peak Jim Carrey. Arguably peak Tommy Lee Jones. Arguably peak Kilmer. <laughs> Close to it, close to it. Although I'd say it's probably Top Gun for him, uh, but man, that movie—it really captures a moment and a, a look. And God, man, so fun, so stupid, so fun. Oh yeah, everything about it—it's—it's it, a, it's a delight to watch. Yeah, people can take their serious DC movies nowadays and shut. I mean, Dave, you watched Aquaman. You That's said, true. Right? I did watch Aquaman over the weekend too. That was that was pretty good. You took my advice. I'm so glad. I'm glad it, it, it's not that bad. No, well, you know, it's one of the, it's two and a half hours long. Yeah, it and doesn't have to be that long. If there's something that I dislike, it's the over length of movies that would be better off at like an hour fifty. Mm-hmm. But it has the things you like in it. It has Willem Dafoe doing weird things. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's he looks yeah. like Wes Anderson did his hair. You know, it has Django Fett in it. <laughs> yep. And and but, uh, Momoa is is fine. He's he's yeah. I feel like half his dialogue in the movie is yeah, awesome, <laughs> cool, dude. Yeah, bro. I do, I, the thing is, you know, you always try to draw the parallels for what it's supposed to be mimicking from its mm-hmm. rival. And yeah. I didn't realize that this is kind of a the the other side to Black Panther. A little bit, yeah. And While I did, I didn't expect that, and I liked it. Yeah, the guy of being accepting the role of being royalty or whatever while living in an underwater tr- Tron-looking world. <laughs> yeah, and Dolph Lundgren is there. Yeah, Dolph Lundgren's in it. Uh, and just the last thing about Aquaman, because I'm sure people don't care and they probably tuned out by now. Best scene in that movie, though, is, hey, Aquaman kills this one guy's dad early on in the movie, kind of recklessly. And, the dude's oh, and like, he, he's just- like, the, the, the sea will be the judge of that. And then he leaves. Yeah. Uh, and so what does the guy do? He's like, I got to build a suit of armor. And there's nothing I love more in the movie than a montage of a guy building something. <laughs> and I love that scene of just like, they got the action movie and the guy using the hammer. Like, I'm going to build this machine to beat the, up like, the car paint. Like, so good. So good. And then he just gets flung away, which is, there's a thing I like in movies where I always root for like the no name bad guys to win because they don't have the superpowers. Like I want them to get one over on the, the, the gods. Like there's a scene in Wolverine where in Japan, the Wolverine, where there's like a, a goon who's fighting the Wolverine, and he the fight goes on for like four minutes, and he has no way of winning this fight. But it's like I kind of want him to beat Wolverine. <laughs> and that that scene was so good in Aquaman, the scene in Italy when with the with the Black Panther, oh, yeah. that was that was top notch. Yeah, underrated movie. So if people like Down Abbey. I don't know if you like those kind of things. It's on HBO. If you if you're trying HBO Max because Down Abbey, watch yeah. Aquaman. Yeah. I watched uh, I watched Malcolm X across uh, two nights, <laughs> okay, a three hour and twenty minute epic, great movie. Who knew? And actually, I did learn a lot about Malcolm X. I didn't realize, so it was worthwhile. So cool. 
as good as Aquaman. That's what we'll be watching. Oh, absolutely. I th- no, I think it's it's a great movie actually. Like All really right. good. Like yeah, highly recommend. Well, all right. On that <laughs> note, you know, hit us up on the social media because we're going back into the crown. We, you know, I'm ready. I'm I'm excited. I'm ready to get back to it. Yeah, I think our first run of the crown. You know, the the crown is going to be a good quarantine show. I think yeah. in in the busy world, I might not have had the attention span for to like remove myself from my day to sit down and watch the crown. But mm-hmm. now I feel like in quarantine world, everything is kind of different iterations of sitting around. So, yeah, it's going to be more of the same. So I think we're going to go in a lot more enthused than we were early on. I agree wholeheartedly. So let's go. Let's go. F- follow us. Follow us on Gmail if you can if, do that. Yeah, yeah. become our, at us on Gmail, Google Plus, Google or Plus. It's called. Yeah. yeah, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're alive. We're there. Yeah, hit us up. Let us know what you liked. And you know, we had lots of good doubt and feedback about what they wanted from us. We're going to go on a little ten week, eleven week journey with the crown. Mm-hmm. But if you're thinking, man, I really wish you had done this, tell us. Because you know what? We listen. Yeah. So we'll see you soon. Enjoy the next week or so. Yeah. We might surprise you with some something. We might not. We'll see. All right. So long.